welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to this edition of the Kona Edge. Uh, time to share another fantastic Ironman triathlon story with you. Before I get into who our guest is today, uh, I need to ask you a massive favor. So tomorrow, as we're recording this, is my birthday. And I'm not a huge one on birthdays, so uh, if you'd like to wish me, it's cool. But I'm going to ask, and I don't normally ask for gifts, but I'm going to ask you for a gift uh, on today's podcast. If you, over the last two years, because we are, funnily enough, almost coming up to our two-year co-anniversary of the Kona Edge, uh, if you've got any value out of this podcast, if you enjoy listening to it, uh, I'm going to ask you to do one of two things, or if you wouldn't mind, doing both. It would uh, really uh, make my day, and uh, it'll help us a lot and, and help us grow the podcast. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is if you've got any value uh, out of any one of these podcasts or a podcast as a whole, is simply share it on social media uh, within your network, or if you can think of someone that uh, you've listened to an episode that uh, someone else would get some value out of, uh, please just tag them. Uh, and, and I'd love it if you'd tag me as well. At Big Brad Brown is where you can find me on Facebook. If you'd like to send a friend request uh, or if you'd like to tag us on uh, Twitter, you can. Uh, it's at Big Brad Brown or Instagram as well. Uh, that's where we are. So uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that, sharing uh, an episode or the feed itself of the Kona Edge, it just really helps us grow when people do that. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is, if you haven't yet, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Because what those do is it just uh, it tells iTunes that, you know what, there's some value in this uh, podcast. And the more reviews and uh, ratings we get, the, the better it is. And the more iTunes shows it uh, to triathletes uh, around the planet. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, one or two of those would be brilliant. If you would do both, it would help us immensely. And uh, as they say in the classics, I will love you long time. Uh, so, yeah, that would be amazing. Coming up on today's podcast, we are heading to New York City to catch up with Rob Moore uh, to find out a little bit uh, about his uh, journey into the sport and his uh, goals and ambitions long-term and uh, his experiences of racing on the Big Island. What would you say to having your own personal triathlon coach in your back pocket? Whether you're training for your first triathlon or Ironman distance triathlon, Coach Cara at Triformations is an expert at working with busy athletes who are juggling different priorities in their life, including family, work, and travel. She is certified by the International Triathlon Union and USA Triathlon as a triathlon coach and holds professional qualifications as a personal trainer and pre- and postnatal fitness specialist. A coach takes the guesswork out of whether you are doing the right workout with the right intensity, volume and duration at the right time. This means targeted training created with your unique physiology, challenges and goals in mind that evolves as you do. All Triformation services and training plans are delivered via virtual coaching arrangements, allowing you to choose whether you want to interact with your coach by online video conference, phone or email, and your workouts are delivered straight to your tablet, smartphone or even your GPS watch. Having a triathlon coach in your back pocket is the ticket to your success as an athlete, so why not put your best foot forward and go for it? To find out more about Cara and Triformations, simply head over to triformations.com or simply click on theconaedge.com forward slash coaching. You're listening to The Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown and we head to New York City, the Big Apple, to catch up with uh, Rob Moore. Rob, welcome onto the podcast. Thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm taking it. I've pronounced your surname correctly. I haven't butchered it. That's correct. More. Excellent stuff. The Big Apple. Spelled- yeah. We've 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 had a couple. I'm trying to think. We've had one or two guests from from New York City on the podcast before. The triathlon scene, funnily enough, for a big city like New York, is is pretty vibrant. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of people who are here who are very into the sport. Um, people who are you know kind of more that type A personality and looking to uh, get after it, whether it be in work or in fitness. So yeah, certainly a strong triathlon scene here. Pretty, pretty much describes the city to a T. It's go, go, go. And uh, if you want to get in triathlon, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, certainly. But in saying that, uh, you've got a blog, which I absolutely love, uh, and the title of which is Lack of Hustle. I don't get that from you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. Um, a, a movie here that's kind of like a, a cult classic uh, is um, it's called Heavyweights. It's uh, one of Ben Stiller's finest, but uh, it's a it's a quote from that movie. So um, yeah, again, kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing, but um, <clears throat> I I know that uh, as triathlon uh, or as triathletes, we often uh, can find ourselves taking ourselves too seriously. So I thought uh, it adds a little jest to the to the obsessive uh, exercise nature of us all. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the sport. Where did uh, where did it all begin for you? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I picked up running uh, a couple years after college, maybe a year or so after college. Um, I had uh, played football and lacrosse in high school. I uh, was just into kind of lifting weights in college to stay fit. And then in moving to New York, um, tried to find a, a new way to motivate myself to get into the gym. Uh, I was working long hours. Uh, not exactly leading a uh, particularly healthy lifestyle here and uh, found running to be a great way to uh, burn off energy and just exercise in kind of a short stretch of time and uh, really fell in love with it early on. Uh, I probably, it's funny, I, I, I don't think I ran more than three miles uh, at any one stretch until I was maybe 23 or 24. So again, like a year out of college here in New York. And uh, got really into it. I started seeing gains pretty quickly um, after having lifted weights for you know a decade or more. Uh, I found myself I was really lifting to try to maintain, and then in picking up running, uh, started to see either that I could run faster or run a little bit longer each day. So um, really fell in love with it. Uh, it also coincided with the uh, <clears throat> the book uh, Born to Run that came out. Um, so I picked that up and uh, just kind of had like a, a new passion for running ignited in me. From, from the other, I mean, you mentioned lacrosse and that sort of thing. Were you, were you pretty competitive growing up in, in those sports? Uh, did, did you hate losing? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, so I actually grew up in uh, Dallas, Texas um, and uh, was there until I was 12 years old. So very much had uh, kind of, a, a, you know, um, deep uh, Texas interest in football, as you might imagine, and um, played football growing up, loved it, 
was very competitive when I was like in middle school, I would say, in terms of being like a really strong, uh, tri- or sorry, really strong um, football player. And then kind of peaked at the end of middle school, didn't exactly get much of a growth spurt into the high school years. And um, while I always loved the sport, uh, I kind of interest started to fade a bit uh, around the high school years. And uh, I picked up lacrosse, which I liked a lot but was never tremendously competitive at, uh, at either in high school, to be honest. And then the, from, from the running perspective, were you pretty good at it or was it just a, a social thing to, to start with? Yeah, I actually found that um, I picked it up really as just something uh, to do to burn off energy and to stay f- somewhat fit or, um, uh, you know, uh, be a bit more active during the day when I was logging long hours at my uh, a desk at work. Um, and I didn't honestly do any races for maybe the first few months of, of doing it. So I, I wasn't really testing myself in terms of being competitive. I was running uh, really without any technology. I'd just go out for a run and, and know that I had run for an hour or, or so and didn't know what distance I had covered or what pace I had done. Uh, and then ended up doing uh, a couple races and did all right. I was able to hold like a seven minute pace for an eight mile race that I did over Thanksgiving. And then I uh, had the goal of holding a seven minute pace for a half marathon and was able to do that. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't, um, I mean, I wasn't near the front of the field, but for me, it was really just the fact that I was seeing such improvement uh, on a month to month basis that uh, that was really uh, keeping me in it and keeping me, um, you know, excited about getting out and running just the kind of personal improvement on a on a you know consistent basis. And the, the, the sort of transition into to triathlon, what was your, your first experience in the, the sport of triathlon? Yeah, so with uh, with running, um, I picked it up, and I did a half marathon, and soon after doing the half marathon, I was like, okay, uh, you know, I've been running for maybe six months now, like it a lot, um, but, you know, kind of looking to see what other kind of challenges are out there, and I did a sprint triathlon, um, again, kind of in that you know, maybe six months after having picked up running range and uh, did the uh, South Beach triathlon um, and found it incredibly hard. Uh, I was uh, humbled by both the swim and the bike and was kind of somewhat able to hold my own in the run. Uh, But I remember finishing being like, that was awesome and (laughs) maybe I can go faster. Um, And... uh, that was kind of my mentality going forward. Uh, I was, you know, just excited to find the next race and see if I could, if I could uh, improve on my personal best. As, was it? I mean, their first one. I think everyone finds it particularly tough. Was it? Was it almost love at first sight? Uh, I mean, often we'll we'll think about that first one halfway through it and go, "Why the hell am I doing this?" Uh, but it sounds like you had a pretty good experience and uh, you came back for more. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, in hindsight, I don't really know how uh, I enjoyed it, given that, you know, again, it was a sprint. I think it was, you know, a half mile swim or something that probably took me uh, 20 to 30 minutes to do. Uh, I remember the bike course being really challenging. I had just borrowed a friend's bike 
And it being in South Beach, it was, I'm sure, an incredibly flat course. But I remember thinking how hilly the bridges were. Uh, so just, I, I mean, I, I literally uh, was probably one of the last people out of the swim, last people off the bike, and then maybe passed a handful of people on the run. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And again, I kind of, I had fun. And then at the same time was like, all right, like I've set the bar pretty low here. I think I can probably improve on that. So let's kind of take that uh, as the next step. What, what was your progression from that race to, to your first half Ironman and first full Ironman distance? Yeah, I, I got into it pretty quickly. So I went from, I did a sprint. Uh, I think it was probably a race in April. Um, I then did the New York City Olympic distance try in uh, like July maybe of that year. And then uh, did a half Ironman, kind of like a local half Ironman here in New York called the Tough Man, uh, which is in like the Hudson Valley area. And I did that probably in September. So I went from sprint to Olympic to half all probably in the span of about six months. Do you, looking back, do you think that was too quick or are you quite glad you, you progressed that fast? Yeah, I mean, I really didn't have any big goals set out. It was more just kind of completion, uh, and I think it was perfect. I mean, if I had been looking to uh, really smash the Olympic or smash the half, I probably would have been uh, you know, uh, a little bit more hesitant to do them in such quick succession and really put more into training, but... I was kind of just, you know, looking to have fun, seeing the races more of an adventure than it was, uh, you know, how fast can I go? And the step up to full, tell me, tell me with the thinking after, after that first half, did you know you were going to go on and do a full? Or was it after that first half that you decided I want to go and do the big one? Yeah, it's funny. So when I think back on uh, my introduction to triathlon, as a kid, I remember watching the race in uh, Kona, Hawaii, um, you know, the December broadcast they did on NBC or that they do on NBC. Um, and I remember even at the age of like eight or 10 seeing it being like, Oh, that's definitely something I want to do. Um, and I kind of always had it in my mind's eye as having been something that I would do, uh, later in life, like 35 to 40 or something to that effect. Um, but after doing my first sprint and after doing my first Olympic, I was like, oh, yeah, like definitely, you know, maybe in a, a full Ironman is something that I look to do in the in the very near future. And um, I want to say uh, probably a year after that. So let's say that this was all in 2010. In 2011, I remember sitting at my desk at work and getting an email from Ironman saying that there were uh, there was going to be the first uh New York City Ironman, um, and I saw that email, and I remember immediately thinking, "Okay, this is this is a sign. It's coming to New York uh, for the first time." Uh, I didn't realize it would be the only time, but for the first time, hosting the event in New York City. So I was like, "Okay, great. This is uh, this is the race I need to do." And uh, that race was in August of 2012. So uh, a two year span after having done that first half. Um, and I basically signed up for it a year out, uh, did another half or two, and then uh, started to actually get somewhat serious about training 
prior to that first full in 2012. L- knowing what you know now, which, which sort of distance do you think suits you best? The the full half sprint Olympic? What what are you? What's your favorite? Yeah. Um, well, you ask what my favorite is, and then what suits me best. And I, <laughs> this might be different. Uh, I think I am best suited for the uh, for the Ironman distance. It seems to be the distance where uh, I'm able to be most competitive. Um, that having been said, uh, this year I really focused on the half distance, and uh, I have a bit more fun doing the half distance just because. There's a little bit more, less stress uh, going into a half. You can do more of them across a year. You're less destroyed after the race, so you can actually, you know, enjoy some time in whatever city you're you're racing in and uh, log some time with friends and family in the area and whatnot. Uh, but again, I think the I think the full distance is really what suits me best. Was it in the build-up to that New York where, where Kona came on the radar? When, when did you first start thinking seriously about qualifying for, for the World Champs? Yeah, so again, um, I always had it in the back of my mind as a race I wanted to do. Um, I honestly was totally clueless about the qualification process. And um, <clears throat> when I first wanted to do it as a kid, I thought it was like, okay, you just sign up and do this mm-hmm. race. Um, <clears throat> and then when I... I raced uh, in New York. Um, I, I didn't do, you know, particularly. Well. I was very much middle of the pack, or maybe front end of middle of the pack, and uh, still was like, okay, you know, I was able to complete this race. Uh, I had a lot of fun in doing it. Um, I had not been uh, too uh, too particularly serious about the training for it. I had definitely more so than I had been in past races, but again, it was still kind of about. Uh, completing it and going, you know, fairly fast, but not looking to be at the pointy end of the field. Uh, so after racing in, in New York, I was like, okay, you know, that went pretty well. I think I could be competitive at this and, um, uh, maybe in my next Ironman in, um, uh, in either a year or two, uh, I look to look to qualify for Kona. Uh, and even at that point, I was still very clueless as to what that would entail and just how hard uh, it is to uh, qualify for Kona. What what makes it so hard? Uh, t- tell me a little bit about that. Because, I, I mean, often we chat to guys on the podcast here, and it's, oh, we did our first one, qualified, first bash, went and did it, it was cool. Uh, but it, it's a lot harder than that. If, if it was that easy, everyone would qualify. Right, exactly. Well, so first and foremost, it's hard because there are a lot of really, really fast age groupers in this sport, and there are a lot of people who... Um, you know, either they have, uh, some, some combination of natural gift at, uh, one of the three disciplines or all of the three disciplines, or, uh, just, you know, have a tremendous drive in terms of trying to get to Kona. Um, and then that combined with the fact that there are, you know, very few slots. Um, I think in, you know, the 30 to 34 age bracket, which I'm currently in, uh, I want to say maybe 200 people in the age group from across the world get to uh, qualify and get a slot to the world champs. So uh, you're vying for one of 200 spots with you know a, a lot of people also looking to be part of that that group. Um, so it is, and, and again, the 30 to 34 age bracket probably sends uh, you know a, a large number. Many many age groups only have somewhere in the vicinity of 100 to 125 slots that are getting to go. So, yeah, it's it's definitely tough. And, um, 
there are a lot of people, you know, working tremendously hard to earn one of those slots and then everything has to also go go right on race day yeah and and i mean that age group's interesting because if you look at the curve of of sort of the competitiveness in age groups obviously the 18 to 24 is is i don't want to say it's easier to get a slot but there's less people competing in that age group and then 25 to 29 but once you start hitting the age group you mentioning it's tough and then it gets tougher for a few years uh is that a concern for you i mean it's not going to get easier to qualify as you get older yeah certainly now, um, to, I think that my mindset is typically it's hard regardless of your age group. Um, when I was so when I qualified for Kona, I was in the 25 to 29 age bracket, and I had looked at it from the mindset of, okay, it's only going to get harder. It's probably going to be harder to qualify in the 30 to 34 age bracket. So maybe I make a real push for qualifying while I'm in, you know, the 25 to mm. 29 age bracket. And what I came to learn is that it's really difficult in all of them, regardless of the fact that, you know, maybe um, there are fewer people vying for the spots, um, but then you just end up with there being fewer slots in that age bracket allotted. Um, So, like, for example, um, my first race in terms terms of really trying to qualify uh, was in Montremont, and I came in fifth in the age group with a time of, uh, I think it was 9.39. And had I had that time in any other age bracket, I would have qualified, uh, but I was two spots away from qualifying um, in that age bracket in, in Tremblant. So you, you essentially just have to go into races knowing that it's gonna be really hard and you have to put together the best race you can think of and really uh, try to show up in the best shape possible because there are gonna be phenomenal athletes uh, in all the age brackets looking to looking to uh, get one of those slots. Tell me about your first experience of, of racing in, in Kona as an athlete, so having, like you said, watched it as a, as a youngster growing up and, and not probably exactly. then realizing the, the sort of magnitude of it, but then going back years later and, and actually experiencing it and racing in this competition with the, with the best athletes in the world on the same day. Tell me about your experience. Yeah, it was really incredible. Um, so... I qualified almost a full year out, which um, which was great because it allowed me to really build uh, my calendar around racing in, in Kona, not just training, but then also <clears throat> in terms of going over there. So I went there um, 10 days prior to the race, and uh, I was able to participate in everything from the practice swim that they do the Saturday um, a week prior to the race uh, to the underwear run to, um, you know, doing a lot of training on the big Island in advance. And it really allowed me to, uh, soak in all that the Island has to offer and, uh, take part in all the, uh, you know, Kona festivities. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Like the, the first, the, uh, people of Kona, uh, are, tremendously uh welcoming to the athletes um it's pretty cool to just be in this really small town with people from all over the world who are uh competing at their peak and uh all participating in a race that they recognize to be uh you know just a a huge event um in terms of the actual day um so i guess uh, in buildup, um, 
I, I had an amazing time and I was really there as kind of like a, yeah, I want to race well, but you know, this could very well be the last time I'm here. So I'm going to really try to soak it all in. Um, so I, I did everything, uh, in advance of the race, uh, and had a blast. And then on the day, uh, I mean, I showed up looking to go as fast as possible, but also, um, uh, you know, kind of trying to take in all that was uh, taking place out there. Do you feel like you've got unfinished business on the islands? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, so I, I honestly do. Um, I came out of Kona this year, or sorry, this past year, um, both, you know, very pleased with how I raced, but also feeling like, uh, I didn't leave it all out there if that if that uh, makes sense so um, <clears throat> I had a great swim uh, I was pleased to come in under the hour mark which uh, was a goal for me um, I biked well but got a uh, five minute drafting penalty which um, which was disappointing but um, it happens out there uh, it's something that's you know almost impossible to avoid with the the packs and i felt like uh it was not a particularly fair penalty but that's uh neither here nor there um so i felt like you know maybe uh the bike could have gone better given the five minute penalty i also felt like i really held back on the bike to set myself up for a strong run and i got off the bike and just didn't have run legs um it was my goal to uh, run under three hours, which um, was certainly an ambitious goal, but I felt like I came into the race in really, really good run shape and uh, kind of fell apart on the back half of the run. Uh, I was man uh, able to manage a, uh, I think I ran uh, maybe like a 313 or 314 or something to that effect, but uh, felt like... I could have really run better and been be better mentally equipped for just how hard the run would be. Are you going back this year or are you you not? No, no. So no, no Kona for me this year. Um, I actually uh, largely took this year off from doing the full Ironman distance. Uh, it's just such a huge commitment, uh, as I'm sure anyone in the sport recognizes. Um, and uh, I'm really you know, uh, happy to have kind of given myself the mental space to be able to, uh, kind of refocus on some other things. And then, uh, I'll actually be racing, uh, Ironman Cozumel at the end of this year. So in, uh, late November, and I'll be looking to, uh, qualify for Kona 2018. Well, we're just a couple of weeks out now from, from race day 2017. How, how are you feeling about it? Are, are you f full of FOMO? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's funny. So I'm on the uh, uh, the Everyman Jack uh, triathlon team, and each day, so I, I want to say maybe 20 plus guys are going over there, and they're starting to get ready. And uh, I'm seeing pictures come across on social media and whatnot, <laughs> and then I'm seeing a bunch of the pros who are already on the island training. And I'm definitely, definitely starting to get a bit of FOMO at the same time. Uh, I don't know if I'm mentally ready, uh, if I would be mentally ready to race and God, it's like maybe two weeks out now, um, to go out there and, uh, and push it on the big Island. I mean, it is a, uh, an ultimate test yep. of physical and mental strength and it requires a lot of prep. 
<laughs> and it's prep that I have not not done over the past couple months. So I would I would certainly not be ready for it, but I am definitely jealous of the experience they're they're soon to have too true i mean you can you can fake a a sprint you can fake an olympic you could possibly push a half but there's nowhere to hide in a full that's for that's for sure tell me tell me a little bit about taking a break and and how you've done it this year from from full ironman and how important that is to stay fresh and motivated and uh and strong and injury free in this sport what what was the thinking behind taking the break was it a conscious decision that you you weren't going to race uh the big one this year and, and focus on on next year T- tell me a little bit about the thought process there yeah so certainly um so a couple things uh racing uh in kona means that you're carrying fitness until you know early october which is a fairly long season um uh so i started this this coming year or sorry this uh this past year started 2017 kind of in the mind space of uh i just had a long season um i put a lot of work into showing up to kona fit and um in terms of trying to identify an Ironman to qualify for 2017, um, I just I just didn't have it in me at that point in time, uh, and I I kind of knew that um, even going into Hawaii that I'd probably be pretty drained, and I instead decided to focus uh, a good bit on the half Ironman distance. It's a a distance that I had. Uh, prior to this year, never really put too much emphasis on in terms of training, and I felt like I could get a lot faster at the distance, and in turn, uh, maybe build on that for uh, a strong Ironman late season. Um, so that's exactly what I did. Uh, I also had a sense, you know, kind of as the year started to uh, shape up, that I would be making a move from LA to uh, New York. Uh, and just knowing that that was likely to take place in the summer, uh, to try to fit, you know, both work schedule, training schedule, and then a, a cross country move onto the same year was going to be a challenge. Uh, and to add two Ironman races, uh, one in terms of trying to qualify for Kona and one in potentially racing Kona, uh, would just be too much. Mm. What do you, what achievement are you most proud of in the sport? What have you done that you look back and go, that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say my my Ironman Cozumel race. Um, so uh, it was the uh, second attempt of qualifying for Kona that I made. Um, basically, I raced. Uh, I mentioned that uh, Ironman New York City in 2012, and then I did not race another Ironman until 2015. Um, so I spent. Uh, the back half of 2014 and uh, much of 2015 really focusing on the Ironman distance. Uh, I raced in uh, Montremblant and had a pretty good race. Uh, I felt like um, it really showed my training pretty well. Um, but uh, again, I came in fifth in age group and missed, uh, missed the uh, Kona, fi- uh, Kona qualifying spot. Um, so I looked at, uh, what races were out there and saw that Ironman Cozumel was in late November. So coming out of Tremblant in mid August, I, I took an eight week stretch of really focusing on, uh, showing up to Cozumel in great shape. Um, I really scaled back what I was doing in terms of other things in my life. 
uh, whether it be social. I even, um, uh, I, so I work for myself doing uh, PR and communications work and I put uh, you know some of that work on hold uh, to really focus on showing up to Cosmo in, in good shape. Um, and then uh, on the race day was able to uh, really perform well. Um, I, gee, let me think here. I'm trying to remember now. I, I think I swam under an hour, uh, rode uh, maybe just under five hours and 20 minutes and pulled together a strong run um, at, uh, so I came off the bike probably in uh, maybe eighth place or so and uh, was very confident in my run going into the race and just kind of uh, largely ran my own race and was able to catch uh, the uh, person who was in the uh, first place in my age group uh, around mile 18 and we literally ran shoulder to shoulder for the next eight miles oh, until no. like mile 26.1 <laughs> and uh, I was finally able to separate from him in the last like 400 meters of the run to uh, to take the win in the age group and it was just like the culmination of a lot of hard work in the months leading up to it and then also um, just a really strong run that I was, you know, super proud of. What are you struggling with right now? What are you, what are you working on? Yeah, it's funny. So um, running has always been my strength, but um, over the past few months, I've just not been super consistent with it. Um, I've been real consistent with swimming and biking. Um, I've put a lot of emphasis on getting stronger on the bike and I think just kind of knowing that I've got a strong run, I've let let it slip a little bit. And a lot of that is really just being consistent and making sure, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the workouts on a weekly basis. And then honestly, a lot of it has to do with uh, being fit and being in the right uh, race weight. Um, I've noticed if I'm <laughs> like, I could be out on a jog and tell you exactly how much I weigh based on how I feel while running. And if I'm two or three pounds overweight, then, then the splits I'm seeing on my watch uh, are not where they where uh, where I at least want them to be. If we have this conversation 60 years from now and all said and done, uh, what would you have want to have achieved in your, your triathlon career? What, what's the, what are the long-term goals that you can say, you know what, I've done this now, I'm done with the sport. I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. You know, it's, uh, probably something I should ask myself more often. Um, but you know, so, um, I've been able to, uh, qualify for and race Kona. Uh, I've got a few age group, um, wins both in the Ironman distance and the, in the half Ironman distance. Um, I, uh, I've been able to uh, take out the overall age group at a uh, Olympic distance race. Um, but uh, I think that in terms of uh, racing in, in Ironman distance, I would still like to get to Hawaii again and put together uh, what I see as a really strong race there. Um, I think I, I want to say I was maybe 50th in the age group um, this past year in racing there. And I'd like to, potentially be top 25 or top 20 in, in my age group and then uh, have a have a decent standing overall. Um, but 
in terms of just kind of key goals, I'd also like to um, take the overall age group win at an Ironman race. I think that would be pretty cool, uh, especially some of the races that now no longer have a pro field. Um, it'd be pretty sweet to to uh, hold up the banner at the end of a race. Uh, I've seen seen a handful of my uh, EMJ buddies uh, do that at races over the past uh, couple years, and it's 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 a pretty special thing. And just knowing how proud I am of them for those accomplishments, uh, I think I'd probably be pretty proud of myself if I were uh, able to achieve something like that. Absolutely. Well, Rob, it's been great catching up. I look forward to talking about your swim, bike, and run. Uh, but we'll save that for next time. Uh, thanks for your time today on the Cone Edge. Yeah, I appreciate you talking to me. Um, thanks so much for the time. This episode of The Cone Edge is brought to you by the Wahoo Kicker. Whether you're looking for the accuracy and control of a direct drive bike trainer or the flexibility and convenience of a wheel-on solution, Kicker and Kicker Snap are two distinct indoor training solutions. Kicker Indoor Trainer's large flywheel uses new algorithms to improve responsiveness and better replicate the sensation of riding on the road. So whether free riding or using online platforms like Zwift and Trainer Road, you'll have the same experience you feel on your favorite outdoor rides. To check out their phenomenal range, head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash indoor. That's thekonaedge.com forward slash indoor. And that's it for this edition of The Cone Edge. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to Rob as well uh, for sharing his journey. We'll be chatting to Rob uh, in a week from now to find out what he's done to get better in the water over time. So make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button in whichever app you use, whether it's uh, iTunes uh, or the, the Apple uh, native podcast player or if it's Overcast or whatever the app is that you do use. Just hit subscribe. Uh, and don't forget, as I mentioned at the top of the, the podcast, if you wouldn't mind sharing this uh, and leaving us a review and rating, it would be appreciated massively. If you do leave us a review as well, don't forget you stand in line to win an entry into an Ironman. I'll be paying someone uh, to race. All you need to do is head over to theconaedge.com forward slash win to find out more or simply text the word Ironman. That's uh, Ironman to 44222. Until tomorrow, from myself, Brad Brown, it's cheers. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge. Don't forget, if you'd like to access the commercial free feed of The Cone Edge, all you need to do is head over to theconeedge.com forward slash support, become a patron, and you'll get access to that feed right away.